When I was a little younger I spent nearly all of my time out in the Yellowstone National Park, slowly charting the acreage behind my family's house that was isolated by miles of back roads. One day around midday in September or October I decided to take a long hike into the area we didn't own. We had a black lab, Sandy, who I had brought with me for safety, and we walked to a creek that we followed some way back into the woods. After some distance, far enough that I no longer recognized my surroundings, the creek spilled into a small reservoir the size of a backyard pool. I remember clearly that it was the time of year where the leaves had started to change color, I remember the pool was black with silt and decorated by a few downed trees. Once I had stepped around the very edge of the pool there was a shift. Like if you messed with the contrast or saturation too much in a photo editor. I remember the color, temperature, light, sound, and even objects appeared different to me. As it is an older memory there are a number of details that I can't be sure whether I actually remember or have since fabricated in some way, yet I have infallible confidence in two details. The water had become completely clear and there was notably lush vegetation densely packed around the edge of the pool. I froze for what felt like a number of seconds before I felt something pulling me, my dog tugging on the leash. As I turned my head everything snapped back to normal, however, my surroundings were now dark and it was evidently around sunset. Confused to this day, I've confirmed with family that I left the house after lunch and based on the ground I had covered there was no way I had been in the woods for longer than an hour or two. Sandy was pulling me towards home, towards voices calling, apparently I had been in the woods for 8 hours. We have since moved but to satisfy my nostalgia I actually returned for a visit. The owners were gracious enough to let me have a walk around and as a part of it, I ended up relocating that area by following that creek again. It was the dry season, but I found the area where it must have been and I confirmed that there is no way I could have been in the woods that long. I'm a rational person and I tend to believe. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. things I can see and explain, but this has always eluded me. A few years ago, I was driving across the country and stopped at Prairie Creek Redwood State Park to camp for the night. I got in about 4 p.m. and, eager to experience the redwoods for the first time, started out on a 7-mile trail run through the park. This was early November so I knew I had about 1.5 hours until sunset, 
which I thought was plenty of time for the run. If you've been to the Redwoods, you know the terrain is steep, narrow valleys and, of course, unfathomably giant trees. Twilight came early and my pace slowed as the light dwindled. Soon I was walking, just barely able to discern the path. This was the start of a situation, but I knew that I would be warm enough if I kept moving, so I concentrated on staying on the path and absorbing the forest presence. It was incredibly quiet, I perhaps heard one or two juncos call the whole time, but not spooky. For lack of a better term, I got a sense of peaceful dignity that existed entirely separate from my human-sized concerns. With maybe two or three miles left in my walk-slash-run back to the campsite, I rounded a bend and came upon a silvery, glowing orb right in the middle of the trail. I held my eyes closed, was this a trick of my night vision in the fading twilight? But the orb was still there when I opened them. After staring at it for some amount of time I cautiously stuck my hand into it. I didn't feel anything, though I half expected to the sensation of heat or maybe a tingling, but I distinctly remember how the details of my hand appeared in that silvery light. I traced the outline with my hands, but couldn't bring myself to step through it. Eventually I grew cold and realized I needed to continue. As I was looking for a way around it, I saw the moon just peeking above the ridge. That's when I realized what it was, I had been playing with a moonbeam that disappeared into the depths of the steep valley. The terrain and rising moon had created a sort of illusion that made it look like a glowing orb was floating in the middle of the trail. It was beautiful, but explainable. That said, I will always hold on to how I felt upon rounding the bend and seeing that orb. It wasn't fear, just a keen sense of my surroundings and a sudden openness to experiencing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Something incredibly beautiful, even if it defied my understanding of the world. When I was a teenager, I used to go out camping in Yosemite by myself. I had a spot where I liked that was across a few fences from my grandparents' house in the middle of nowhere. One of the places I cut through was a pasture full of cattle. Around cattle, especially cattle unfamiliar with me, I try to be very careful to not spook them but otherwise cows are pretty easy going. This was about a mile from my grandparents' house and probably about two from my destination. The one time I am thinking of the last time, I slipped through the fence to find the cattle already freaked out. They were insanely agitated about something I was not aware of, so I stayed well clear of them as I went through the pasture. I had a good time camping that night and packed up the next morning. As I went back into that pasture, however, there was this ridiculously bad smell. It smelled like a skunk had fought with something in a fertilizer barrel of shit and the barrel broke open. It was awful. I tried to look around for the cows to make sure they were not going to surprise me and I could not find them. They were just gone. There were some brush and trees, though, so I thought they were just out of sight. I keep walking through the place to get home and the smell is so bad that I set down my stuff at the fence line and decide to investigate. Well. I found the cows. All of them were shot and ripped apart. Someone had carefully shot them in the head with a bolt gun style thing or hit them hard enough with a pointy object to bust through their skulls, and eviscerated all of them. They had also drugged them all into a little shallow ravine and piled the bodies up. It was horrible. I hightailed it out of their back to my gear. My stuff was gone. As in, I set it right here on this rock and it is not within eyeshot. A quick glance showed me there was not anything ripped or fallen out, so something someone had picked it up while I was 200 yards away for less than 5 minutes. I think Usain Bolt would not have been able to catch me on the way home. I never heard anything else about those cows and I did not go back to the old camping spot again. Second story. Sorry, I generally prefer to rewrite these from memory. But I am on my phone right now and so this is a copied comment from before. I had to adjust some things referencing the question, so I hope it all works. My cousin is with the Forest Service in the Montana-Wyoming area and I decided to go up there with her to literally test the waters. She does hydrology and has to ride out to the middle of nowhere to test streams and snow runoff to ensure no contaminants, so I thought that sounded fun and wanted to do a bit of a tour with her. We were going to have to camp out there for two nights, so we packed up all our gear in saddlebags or saddle bundles and started out. The first day and night was amazing. Beautiful scenery and amazing air quality. It really is so peaceful out there. I love that area and wish I got to go up there more often. Anyway, we started out on the second day and my cousin said, you want to see something weird? Of course I said yes. So she led me on a bit of a side journey into this tiny little ravine. We ended up traveling about two hours away from our actual path we had laid out. At the very end of this fold in the land, 
She dismounts and tells me to get off my horse, too. We tie them up in this gorgeous little clearing and she tells me to follow this tiny wildlife path and bring our little rechargeable radio. It is one of those you can plug in or wind up, and it also acts as a lantern if you really need it too, but that kills the batteries quickly. I do and, out in the middle of nowhere, there is a huge coil of wire sticking out of the ground. The wire itself was not weirdly large, like some buried transmission wire, but small, like 10 or 12 gauge wiring for a house. It trailed off into the brush and trees, so naturally I decided to follow the damn thing out of curiosity. My cousin trails behind me as I do, and this wire, after coming straight up from the ground, is strung across limbs of trees then back to the ground, then it snakes around rocks and finally dead ends into an outlet. That outlet is mounted on the side of a desk. It looks like a schoolteacher's desk from when I was growing up, with a metal base and a pseudo wood slash plastic top thing. No chair, no building, no nothing, just this outlet and this desk. I am staring confused as all hell at this desk in the middle of a forest when my cousin takes the radio, pulls out the cord, and plugs it into the outlet. That creep then lit up and started blaring static. The wire was being fed from somewhere. Now, the place where we were had no road access, no buildings for many miles, and no other people around. And yet, there was a live outlet. Weird as shit. I was at my in-law's house for Thanksgiving in northwest Montana. They live about 60 miles south of the Canadian border. They are what I would call comfortable survivalists, and live why off the grid. No TV. No cell reception, too far up in the mountains for that. Great people, just don't like towns. My wife was homeschooled. You get the idea. I decided I would go for a morning deer hunt on Thanksgiving. It's a great location for it, as they are right in the middle of prime deer, elk, and bear country. Their house borders national forest land on three sides, so pretty easy to find yourself in the middle of nowhere, because you're already there. My father-in-law insists I leave the house at the butt crack of dawn. Where I hunt the deer don't start moving around until 8 to 9 a.m., but of course I agree with him and head out before light. I've got a headlamp on, walking down a narrow trail in thick coverage and can see about 10-ish feet in front of me. It's super cold but no snow. Dark as hell. 20 miles from the nearest town. Father-in-law says before I left that about 20 to 25 minutes hike you'll come to a small curved valley that is a newly finished logging project. Perfect area for deer hunting as there is minimal coverage and you can see about a mile down the valley. The trail meets up with a rugged logging road. As I keep walking I can start to see large slash piles from this logging project all over the place. I find a good spot over this little valley to sit and listen. As I'm sitting there and it's getting light, I'm looking all around me for deer. To my right about 200 yards away there is a slash pile with something moving on or around it. I pull out my little binos and look. There is a deer with its legs in the air, covered in dirt and blood. I start to feel the hair on my neck straighten out. 
The deer disappears inside the pile of branches and then I see a mountain lion come out from the pile, nose red with blood. He scrapes all around the area for a few minutes. I'm guessing he smelled or sensed me, because he was walking around in little circles and looking up in the air. I didn't know what the hell to do. I kind of panic because they are very territorial and will definitely attack people. So me being the cool guy I am, fired my gun in the air and walked back to my in-law's place in circles. I did see the lion run off, but still. That was the scariest walk I've ever been on. And of course played it cool when I got back. Told my wife what happened that night. We were out hunting in Zion National Park with a group of guys. We were all about 100 yards from each other. The sun had set and darkness was quickly setting in. We called it a night and I started getting down out of the tree when I heard a twig snap. I froze thinking it was a deer and not wanting to scare it. After sitting for a few minutes this blood-curdling hell comes from where the twig snapped. We don't live in an area with wolves, like at all. We have coyotes, but they don't make the same sound. My phone started blowing up with the other guys asking if I'd heard it. Yep, it's nearly under my tree. It was so loud I could feel it in my chest. After about a half hour of silence I gathered all of my bravery, I bailed out of the tree, armed with a knife, and made my way to the group. We never saw it or heard it after that. It was one singular howl in an area that doesn't have wolves, on an island we've hunted for 10 years and never had anything like that happen. Still haven't quite figured out where it came from or what exactly it was. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. We were camping in Sequoia National Forest and our campground was about as secluded as it gets, just to reach it you had to go on a treacherous one-way dirt road, if you could call it that, for over an hour. We arrived in the afternoon to find the campground only had two other inhabitants, the campground host and an older lady with a little dog. We set everything up, cooked some dinner and settled in to get some rest as the sun went down. Throughout the night we would be awakened here and there by sounds, nothing out of the ordinary for camping in the middle of the dense woods, just things like branches snapping and things moving in the trees. Around 11 p.m. we heard something going through the bolted trash cans around the campground. There were no bear bins here. Knowing we were in bear country I beeped my car a few times to try and scare off whatever curious creature was digging in there. This happened a few times, whatever it was kept coming back. As the night went on things got more and more strange. A meadow about 100 yards from where our tent was that was populated by a few wild cattle earlier that day was some kind of scene for something terrible going down. We heard the sounds of cows screaming bloody murder, like they were being torn apart. My initial thought was shit, it's a bear slash cougar slash pack of coyotes, some kind of predator was messing these cows up, it was obvious they were in great distress. But after that there was a noise I heard that I've never heard any animal make. It was a loud, deep, howling sound. Almost like a portamento where it starts off low and rises higher and higher in pitch. It was loud as f, I could feel it in my chest vibrating. Needless to say we were all pretty freaked. It didn't stop there, 
Along with the sounds of dying cows we also heard things like massive branches being torn off the trees around us, something knocking against the trees, like with a rock or a stick, and at one point something big was walking around our camp, when we stuck a flashlight to the window in the tent something massive went running by our tent, shaking the ground as it ran, and it was fast as all hell. Eventually all this commotion died down, but not before that howl slash shriek let out again, this time further away into the woods. Of course I didn't sleep at all that night, I anxiously waited for the sun to rise before I inspected the campground. Even though we had heard trash being ripped and bottles clanking together, the trash cans were not knocked over, and they were still chained shut, which we thought was odd, because a bear surely would have made more of a mess. We searched for bear or cougar tracks, and the only thing we found was I shit you not but human looking tracks. Like bare human feet, maybe a little bigger than normal size, not like those huge Bigfoot tracks people have casts of. I will say I am far from a conspiracy theorist, I'm a huge skeptic, the thought of Bigfoot I have always laughed off and made fun of, but this was freaking me out. The older lady who was in the campground next to us? She booked it out of there early in the morning, leaving in a hurry. As the day went on and the prospect of spending another night there, now being the only campers present, became less and less appealing. We packed up quick before the sun got too low and got the F out of Dodge. On the way home while discussing what had happened, my girlfriend pulled up various Sasquatch sounds recorded on YouTube, some were ridiculous but one, I believe recorded in Ohio? Sounded identical to what we heard. Let's just say I'm a little less skeptical now than I used to be. I was doing some solo camping with my dog last weekend off in the wilderness. I was about 10 miles from the nearest dirt road, and probably about 40 plus miles from the nearest house slash civilization. I had set up a fire and was just chilling with my dog at about 8.30 PM when I heard tornado sirens, basically that siren that plays in the Silent Hill movie around town. It was pretty loud too, and I was on edge for the rest of the night. It sounded a few more times throughout the night. It's eerie to be totally surrounded by the calming noises of nature and then hear that, especially when I'm in an area that hasn't had any sort of tornado, or severe natural disaster in a few decades. After returning, I did some research and I can't find anything about any warning sirens being in place in that area, nor could I find the source of the sound. I wanted to share a scary experience a friend of mine had. He was on a sheep farm in mid-February staying in the old farmhouse which was situated in Tipperary in Ireland, being paid to keep an eye on the ewes while they lambed. It's in the middle of nowhere and a long long way from the nearest occupied neighboring farm. So as you do, he packed his shotgun and kept it closed to his bed at night and allowed his trusty sheepdog Rocky sleep over his feet at the end of the bed. One night, he said it was two weeks into his watch, it happened. Being mid-February, it was cold as hell and nothing's colder than an old farmhouse with zero insulation, so he had two whiskeys before laying down for the night. Before he went to sleep he checked his gun and patted Rocky. In the middle of the night, 
He said it was close to 3 a.m. He was woken by a strange animal cry, one which scared him bolt upright. Then there was a massive explosion and the window was burst out by a dark shadowy figure. He got such a fright he shut the bed there and then. Hugging the blankets to keep himself safe. He later realized that the cry outside was a stag calling for a mate. The explosion was caused by him knocking the shotgun over and it going off. And the window exploding out was Rocky, who was scared shitless of guns to start with. When it went off the poor thing jumped through the window. I was in the upper peninsula of Michigan about 20 minutes outside Escanaba with my girlfriend at the time and her family. On the way to her grandparents we'd pass by this long abandoned house. I wanted to stop and get a picture and explore. She wanted nothing to do with it so I went in alone. I spent maybe 15 minutes rummaging around the fossils of someone's life and then poked my head out the top window. She snapped a photo and said, can we get the F out of here now? I went downstairs and I noticed a door I missed earlier. I opened it and the dim ambient light spilled down the first two steps into the cellar. Everything else wasn't black exactly but more like the complete absence of everything. My hair stood up and every cell in my body screamed at me to gently close the door, leave, and never come back there again. And I haven't. But I'm here typing this and my eyes are watering and I have goosebumps everywhere. I hunt a lot. My father has property in South Texas and I love going out there alone to spend a weekend and hunt. One weekend it was like mid-November and pretty chilly out. I decided I would head to my blind around late afternoon and stay there through the night. When I arrived to the blind I hadn't seen any animals on the way at all and we're talking a good two miles of walking and not seeing any birds or rabbits or anything. I didn't think anything of it since it was winter of course but you still see some birds. As I arrived to the blind I was setting everything up and pulled out this bottle of dough urine to try and lure a buck with. The moment I opened it I started hearing movement on this ridge back behind the blind and kept trying to look out the small windows and see if I could see anything. All of a sudden this loud thud hit the side of the blind. I jumped and thought maybe a deer had fallen off the ridge and hit the blind. I couldn't see anything so I opened the door and saw a huge rock and a nice dent in the side of the blind. Someone or something threw this rock which had to have weighed close to 30 pounds I grabbed my rifle and said f this most likely out loud threw open the blind door jumped the 6 or 7 feet to the ground and started running back to camp. Nothing else happened other than the fact that that night I didn't hear any coyotes yelping and howling at all which you always hear out there. I got in my truck and left the next morning because I didn't feel like getting stabbed by some junkie or attacked by no Bigfoot. Have only gone out there a few times over the last couple of years and never had another incident. Don't go often due to wild hogs infesting the area. Sorry for it being a jumbled mess I am at work on my phone. My dad was stationed in Germany in the 80s in the US Army and every 10 years or so they would do what's called a winter reforger which was basically a giant game of war where two sides competed against each other, and why dad happened to be there during one. Him and a buddy operated a tank, 
but due to some complication, they needed reinforcements, so they had to stay put and wait. They got bored and walked to a small nearby town to get a bottle of apple corn a type of alcohol. As they walked into town they saw a young boy riding a bicycle, they stopped him and asked him the nearest place to get a bottle and he gave them directions. As they were following his directions they saw a bar with a bunch of people in it, but for some reason the kid didn't mention it, but they went in anyway. As soon as they walked in, everyone stopped doing whatever they were doing and stared at my dad and his buddy, literally everyone, including the waitresses. After about 5 seconds everyone simultaneously started acting normal again, like nothing ever happened. A little creeped out, they asked to buy a bottle of apple corn, however they refused to sell one to him, instead giving them both free shots of it, after this they kept insisting that they sit down to eat. They were passing around giant bowls of food and everyone would take some from the bowl and pass it to someone else. But my dad didn't want any food, they just wanted to buy a bottle of apple corn, but they kept refusing, only offering shots and food, finally they got tired of it and left. As they were walking around looking for somewhere else to get the apple corn they passed the young boy again and asked him about the bar and why they refused to sell them the apple corn. The boy turns pale and stammers you went to that place? And immediately cycles away as fast as he possible can. My dad and his buddy look at each other like what the f? Curious they walk back to the bar to check it again. But when they get there, the bar is completely empty and the lights are off. They stare inside through the glass and the chairs are all upside down on the table with cobwebs everywhere, and the shelves behind the bar are completely empty and not longer stocked with alcohol. And they checked around the whole area to make sure it was the same area, and sure enough it was the same bar where only minutes before had been crowded with people. They then found another bar and bought some apple corn and quickly got the FOTA there. To this day my dad and his buddy swear on it and say it's the creepiest thing they've ever witnessed. I was in Oahu, Hawaii hiking the Nuanu Pali area with my boyfriend one afternoon. It was our first time there and our first time in Hawaii. We had chosen to hike that area because it was beautiful and heard that people see chameleons there sometimes. It was a beautiful hike. It was a very green rainforest with tall trees and bamboo. We decided to get towards the edge of the mountain towards the cliff and that's when me and my boyfriend decided to split since we had the feeling we were getting close. I was alone hiking for probably about 30 minutes when I thought I heard somebody running through the forest in my area. I looked around and then the running sound was followed by silence. I didn't think anything of it so I decided to sit down and take my GoPro camera out and mess with the settings. I was sitting in silence again when I heard leaves brushing through the forest as if somebody was running through it again. Then it sounded like there was more than one person running and all I could think was who chooses to run in a muddy steep forest right next to the edge of a cliff? And then the running stopped again and there was no one there again. I was alone but I started to feel like there were many people staring right at me. It was starting to get uncomfortable and I got up and left the area to look for my boyfriend. I couldn't stop thinking about the sounds I heard of people running and why there was no one there. I googled the area and found out that many people had experienced the same thing I did. 
The sounds of people running through the forest. People believe they are the sounds of soldiers running through the forest before they fell off the cliff to their death in a battle that took place there in the late 1700s. I thought I was going crazy but googling that place gave me chills. I like going for walks at night sometimes because I dislike people but I've been trying to get into shape for a while now. So nighttime is great. For that I have a route through some fields which are surrounded by cities and even highways. One major city skyline is clearly visible from the paths I take on a normal day slash night. Sometimes however we get really thick fog because of a mountain range. One night I was out for a walk and super thick fog hit. It was fun at first. I couldn't even see the end of the light cone from my headlamp and barely saw one foot in front of the other walking my familiar path. Usually you'd hear the sound of the highway close by since it's very busy all day and night. But at some point I noticed I didn't hear it anymore. As a matter of fact, I didn't hear anything but myself. There wasn't even wind. Mind you I was in an open field, no trees to obstruct the wind and there's usually always some. Knowing the area well I just decided to keep on with my path and soldiered on. After a while I heard a sharp whistling. That in itself isn't too weird. People walk their dogs a lot in those fields and it was far away. However the whistling continued to sound through the night and it seemed to get louder and closer. It was somewhat melodic after a while, more like a song than someone trying to catch the attention of a dog or person. The really weird part was that it came from the direction of the open and very muddy fields while it got closer and closer. Sure you could walk there but you'd make plenty of noise and probably lose a shoe or two trying to wade through that mess. I tried ignoring it but it creeped me the hell out. So I kept on walking, slowly getting cold despite walking uphill and faster than usual. The whistling kept up and out of the corner of my eye I could sometimes make out a silhouette illuminated by my bobbing headlamp. That's when I started to really freak out. I live in Germany and we have a tale around here of the Nebelpfeiffer which basically just translates to fog whistlers. There've been some historic accounts of them, with one of the major ones happening during the Thirty Year War, where a small village close by Dusseldorf in 1622 was surrounded by heavy fog overnight. Whistling was heard all around throughout the night and on the next day more than a dozen people were missing, never to be found again. It's said that Nebel Pfeiffer try to lower unsuspecting victims closer. If you can whistle their favorite tune you might survive. If not, they'll devour you. They'll stay right at the edge of how far you can see into the fog and never come any closer. They also only really stalk people who are out and about alone, unless there's dire times like during many of the wars in Europe as mentioned above. Remembering that freaked me right the hell out and I basically speed walked slash ran home. Only experienced it once and probably got the best workout of my life, too. Wouldn't recommend it though. These days. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When fog hits, I turn on my heel and head back home to work out another day. I'm not great enough of a fool to meddle with stuff like this. I have experienced something like this in the Yosemite. I frequently camped by a stream, maybe three to four weeks total camping time if you add it up, and always there was the sound of the stream in the background, as well as gentle wind, boughs cracking and occasional animal sounds, little birds, crickets, you know, life. Well one night I was woken up by a nightmare of a black slash grayish figure standing by our campsite just standing there. It had no features. It was just a dark slash black color. I don't usually have paranormal fantasies or dreams so this was very scary for me. It scared the shit out of me, so I woke up with a start. I wake up and then shit just feels wrong. I wake up my so and tell him I had a nightmare. As I am waking him up, I notice there is no sound. As in, zero sounds of air moving, creak sound is gone etc and the entire campground for which we were there alone, feels extremely oppressive. Like heat with no heat. And I just have this feeling like we need to go, like now. I have never had a feeling like this since. The more I think about it now the more creepy it feels. My so thank God was listening to me, he had some ghost experiences growing up and he noticed the lack of sound as well, and we pack up and leave probably in less than 30 minutes. That feeling of sticky, Angry oppression didn't leave us until we were completely back in town. This is the stuff that's going to sound craziest. My car would not drive over 15 to 25 miles per hour all the way down the hill. In 2014, I was driving at night on Highway 81 in southwest Oklahoma. It was around 2 a.m. and I hadn't seen another car for at least 30 minutes. I was on a stretch of road between Chickasha and Rush Springs. In other words, I was in the middle of nowhere. I come over a small rise and see a car upside down in the ditch and a body laying just out of the car. Kinda looked like he was sleeping on his side. I slam on the brakes and get out of the car and run over to the guy. I touch his shoulder and he kind of slumped over onto his back. It was then I could see his head was smashed flat on the left side and his abdomen was open. I could smell whiskey coming out of his gut. It was horrifying. 
This man had no pulse. So I get my phone out and call 911. I give them an estimate of where I am. They tell me the nearest help is 25 minutes away and I needed to wait with the wreck until they get there. Well damn. I hang up the phone and look around. I'm alone in Oklahoma, the only companion to a dead man. Not knowing what to really do, I took his hand and said the Lord's Prayer then covered his face with a shirt that was hanging out of the car. I seriously was shaking a bit. It was then I heard the coyotes start tuning up. If you haven't heard this sound, it's akin to small children being hurt badly. They wail and screech in what I think is a big circle around me and this man. It's been 15 minutes and no other cars have shown up. I hear them on the highway, they are crossing just out of the headlights of my car. Now I have a decision, do I get in my car and let them come up and tear on this guy or do I find something to swing and protect his body? I chose the latter. I got the tire iron out of my trunk and go back over to where he's laying. I guess I'm making a stand. I wait another five minutes, I hear them running around. It's really dark. I realize I'm not truly in control of this situation. Something very primal comes over my brain, it's akin to rage, along with a heavy dose fear. Whatever was going to happen, I was gonna fight like a crazed ape on the savannah. At this very moment, I see car lights. Finally a car shows up and wouldn't you know, it's a Pontiac Grandem full of methed up country boys. They pull over and look me over, then see the dead man, then the car. I say guys, that guy is dead and there are coyotes circling me. They go to their car and pull out several handguns and a couple of flashlights. They are wired for sound and excited AF to kill the shit out of these things. Although, they were almost as unnerving as the wild animals out in the dark. A couple of minutes pass and we hear a siren off in the distance, the guys say it's the cops. They jump in their car and haul ass. I'm alone again. Me and this poor man. 60 seconds later a state trooper shows up, then two deputy sheriffs and finally three city cops from some small town called Ninica. And finally an ambulance. They look the guy over and pronounce him dead. They then asked me at least 100 questions finally asking if they could search my car for drugs I'm sober, for the last 7 years, they search find nothing, then tell me thanks for staying with the wreck, you can go. I left. And start driving down this pitch dark road yet again. I feel like I've been in a battle for my life and thinking our civilized behavior is little more than a thin veneer over a wild animal that wants to survive. I was hiking through the remnants of a remote, long-abandoned town in the surrounding area. To get to as far into the woods as I was, you had to cross fallen trees over a creek three times. I had just crossed the third bridge and was about five miles in and something blue caught my eye just ahead of me. There was a man, in his 60s at least, wearing blue satin pajamas, sitting in a tree. The closer I got to him the louder he laughed, it wasn't a maniacal laugh, but it set off all the alarms in my head nevertheless. He also wasn't wearing any shoes and looked well groomed slash cleaned. I gave him a friendly nod as I passed and he just kept laughing. Then it stopped. I turned and he was gone. There was no branch cracking plants rustling, 
Nothing. He was just gone. Still rubs me the wrong way. The area I was in was a pretty rough hike, very secluded. Not very many people venture as deep as I was that day. No idea what was going on there. Driving in South Texas at 2 in the morning in a heavily wooded area. I saw a person walking on the side of the road. As we got near the bend my lights go on him and I see a head in his hands. Just a head. He was holding it by the hair and I could see the face. I hit the gas and got out of there, almost wrecking in the process. My mom wakes up screaming at me to slow down. I didn't stop or even talk until we were pulled over for speeding. Before it was done I was in an ambulance and they were dosing me with something to keep me calm. I was told it was my imagination. Three days later campers found a headless body. Knew a guy that spent virtually his entire adult life homeless. Used to wander around all over the country and spent more than his fair share of nights sleeping in the woods with another homeless man he befriended while out in the streets. One morning he set off into town early to fetch booze and cigarettes while things were still quiet and not many people were around. His buddy stayed behind in their particular spot of the forest sleeping. These guys weren't too keen on being disturbed so they typically went fairly deep into the woods, a good two or so hours walk from town. It took him a good four hours to get to town, buy his stuff from the offie then lug it back to the spot where his friend was. When he finally returned he found his friend burnt alive inside his charred sleeping bag. In the four hour window that he'd left to get booze his friend was attacked while he slept in his sleeping bag and was set aflame by someone in the middle of the woods. In the 1990s, I was in a band that toured extensively around the United States. Oftentimes when we were driving from city to city, we would do this at night. We would pull into a town late, set up our gear and do a sound check, walk around town and try and meet young kids to invite to the show, leave our albums at the local store on consignment. So by the time the gig was over at 2 in the morning we were still wide awake and wound up, so it just made sense to get a few hours in on driving or even to get a full drive done and then crash once we got where we were going. Based in Los Angeles, our first few trips were up and down the coast to Vancouver and back, and when we finally decided to try a bigger tour, we headed east through Arizona and New Mexico into Texas up to Illinois, etc. At the point at which this story takes place, there were six of us in the band, and we crammed into one small car and a small pickup truck with a shell and all our gear in the back. One night we were headed from somewhere to somewhere when the lead car pulled off the road, which was almost always a sign that someone needed gas, this is before cell phones. Our keyboardist Eric, whose truck it was, and I followed them off to the bottom of the off-ramp, Ash Fork, Arizona. Eric and I did notice a freeway gas sign, and at the bottom of the off-ramp there was an old dusty beat-up looking gas station sign that pointed right, the funny thing was we couldn't see any signs of civilization or any lights anywhere around. The lead car turned right, so we followed, and as we were driving Eric, who was a huge stoner and already naturally paranoid, 
started fetching that this was a dead end and a waste of time while I pointed out to him that if they needed gas, they needed gas and it was better to stop and look then to run out of fuel in the middle of nowhere. While we're having this debate he was slowing down and the lead car was pulling on ahead of us. I told him to hurry up, because I had noticed that there was some light ahead, though it certainly didn't look bright enough for your typical truck stop on the side of the interstate. At this point we were probably three quarters of a mile off the freeway, and while it doesn't seem right to remember that there were trees there, given that it was desert, there was enough scrub brush and things that kept us from viewing a distance. Finally, we rounded a slight bend in the road and saw a small building ahead of us which had the shape of a gas station, which turned out to be the source of the light, thank God Eric said, but paused mid-sentence as he noticed what I did which is the lead car had pulled into the building's parking lot, zipped around the far end of the gas pumps, and was speeding back towards us a lot faster than they should have been driving. As they passed us, we saw they were all freaking out in the car, some rocking back and forth, some holding their heads, and they were all kind of screaming but in a laughing, oh my god what was that sort of a way? Well at this point I am immediately regretting that I am not the one in the driver's seat in that stoner, Dummy Eric is, who for some reason thinks it's good to slow down to a crawl in the parking lot that our friends just flew out of as fast as their car could go. As he continues to pull through the building's parking lot, we look up to see a deserted, filthy, dilapidated old two-pump gas station, with one of those little mini-marts and a one-car garage built onto it. The mini-mart part is stripped bare, if there ever was anything in there in the first place, and in front of it sits an ancient old African-American guy in a rocking chair with no clothes on and a huge smile on his face, just grinning at the world and, to be fair, probably at the stupid young green-haired kids from the city. As we continue to pull around, Eric and I see that in the garage bay hangs what I choose to believe was a skinned cow, kept company by a 6-foot, 400-pound white dude in overalls with no other clothing on, just standing there, with some sort of rag or mask covering his face, but as if this wasn't already creepy enough, his head tracked the movement of our car through his parking lot, so whatever it was it didn't obscure his sight. Not surprisingly, I started screaming drive drive. At Eric whose reflexes eventually kicked in, and we hightailed it out of there. We hit that freeway ramp onto the 10 at about a million miles an hour and a few miles later caught up to the other car which had pulled over on the side of the freeway and other bandmates were out of the car, jumping around on the freeway, physically trying to shake off the weirdness and screaming what was that? Given that I am not a one night stand kind of a guy, that turned out to be one of the best stories from those nine years touring. Not shockingly, we never got off the freeway at Ash Fork again. This won't sound like the spookiest story but I experienced something really weird twice. This happened was when I went to visit very old church ruins in the forest. The place is kinda spooky itself, the trees are just huge, small trees are crooked, many oaks and moss everywhere because sun rarely reaches ground, you get it, typical very scary forest, but you don't get bad vibes or anything, so I started walking near ruins and went down the steep road. After a while I realized that everything went silent. No wind, no sounds of birds, nothing. 
It was so eerie and weird. I wasn't afraid but felt like I shouldn't have been there. Still kept going and the sense was getting more and more intense until I finally stopped and stared one big half-dead tree in front of me and couldn't get my eyes off it. I felt hypnotized, like I was in awe with surroundings. When I could finally move I ran away back to the place. I haven't seen anything but I remember the weird feeling in silence. It wasn't a sense of dread, but I felt like I wasn't welcome and I needed to leave as soon as possible. I am a biologist, and one of the perks of the job is being able to see some remote and spectacular places that people don't see very often. Part of my work involves collecting insects from remote waterholes out in the middle of Australia, a few hundred km north of Uluru. One of the ladies I work with, Alice, lives out there full time, spends a lot of time out bush and has spent a lot of time with the local Aboriginal people so she has a trove of stories and weird experiences. But I'll just tell you about the one I had. So, as I said, I visit a lot of waterholes out there. Being a very arid region, these waterholes hold great spiritual and cultural significance to the indigenous people. Most, if not all of them are sacred in some way, and they all have traditional stories attached to them. So, one day four of us headed out to this particular site, a full day of heavy four-wheel driving through the Fink Gorge. We get there not long before sundown, and as we pull up, there is a black dingo standing in the spot we are going to camp. He stares at us for a bit, then disappears off into the bush, as they do. This in itself isn't weird. Plenty of dingoes out there and they come in a range of colors. Not that common to see a black one but they are around. So that's fine. We set up camp, have a nice night of looking for pythons and drinking wine, yep, biologists. We slept in swags, kind of like a skinny, short tent that just fits a sleeping bag, and sometimes has a little fold-up netting bit so you can sit up in there. It was really windy that night, so that drowned out the potential for quiet spooky noises, and I went to sleep pretty quickly. That night I had a really vivid dream about the black dingo coming into camp, sniffing around my swag and scratching at the netting trying to get in. It bothered me, and I woke up, but went back to sleep pretty soon after. Still, not so weird. We woke up in the morning, did our sampling, packed up camp and started off on the long drive back to town. After we have been driving for a bit, Alice starts talking about how seeing the black dingo at the campsite when we got there really freaked her out. She didn't say anything earlier because she didn't want us to be spooked. Turns out that in the traditional folklore, that waterhole is protected by a black dingo spirit. The last time Alice camped there with other people, one of them had a dream that a black dingo came up to their swag and started attacking her. This lady woke up with long, deep scratches all over her face, and no reasonable explanation for them. I had no idea of this story before I had the dream, and didn't mention it to anyone that morning. There is definitely a special feeling to a lot of these places. Very hard to describe. When you are out in this country, these kinds of weird semi-spiritual coincidences are commonplace. I have some more stories, but I'm typing on my phone and my thumbs are sore.
Many years ago I was helping out on a short drove for a fella I was staying with. We were north of, I think, 10 bar slash Windora line, heading towards the Diamantina slash Minmin region, in Queensland near the northeast South Australia border corner. We were droving to another station as the drought had dried up all water sources for the livestock where we were, and needed to move them as soon as possible. About a week's wait for a truck so we decided to drove, boss, us five boys and some old fella who was from a nearby station. So we drove the first day, pretty uneventful, and made it to camp. We penned up the livestock and started to settle in for the night. Had Tucker, settled got in our swags, and drop like a stone. I had third shift, keeping watch over the stock with a rifle in case dingoes or whatever have a go. I slept like a log as usual, and got woken up for shift, 2am or something. Old fella who woke me was like apparently I need to come with you, boss says no one goes alone tonight. I was pretty confused, we usually shift alone, but went along. After a few minutes walk, we got there and here's what I see, two blokes on shift. They each have one of boss's class D.22S, semi-auto, about 20 round mags. Two entire fresh cartons of ammo, about 1000 rounds total of power points. A metric ton of empty boxes and used shells around them. Three dead foxes in different spots near the pen. Stinks f as if the dead ones were rotting quick. Smelled like way more than three dead dingoes. It was a little weird, as usually we do shifts alone and almost never need to shoot. Boss also never gave people his class D's as usually the bolt actions were sufficient, but I assumed that they got bored and did some plinking and I just didn't wake up to the noise because of the distance, and I'm a heavy sleeper. We're handed the rifles, turns out old bloke is staying with me, and the other boys go off to camp. But as they walk off, one said good luck in a tired voice. I asked what they meant and they just kept walking without saying anything. You tend to be too tired to talk with that sort of work, so I ignored it. So this old fella and I are sitting on shift. It's a full moon and clear skies, so we don't have to worry about torches, and the air was fresh but surprisingly warm for the outback. Pretty good night for shift, to be honest. Well. We're on for the whole of about 5 minutes, and a dingo pops his head up out of some bushes near the fence line, and starts creeping towards the cattle. No biggie, old fella and I lift our rifles, both shoot about the same time, and miss. Dingo completely ignores being shot at and continues creeping up. I shoot again. Miss. What the f? I never miss the second shot. Then old fella next to me shoots but I realize he's facing behind us. I look back and there's a dying dingo behind us. Look back at the pen and creepy cunt is nowhere to be seen. Huh. Must have run back to the scrub. Five minutes later, creepy cunt creeps out again. This time I pop him and down he goes, and put a second round in the head to avoid suffering. A minute later we hear a shuffle behind us and both turn around to see about five dingoes, maybe 20 to 30 meters from us. We unload on them, and get two while the rest scamper. Turn back to the pen and there's about three creeping. Hit one, one buggers off and the other keeps creeping. Old fella misses the third and then the third legs it. 
He then gathers up the dead dingoes, throws them in a ditch behind an embankment nearby, and we settle back in. Turns out this has been happening all night. Maybe 10 minutes later, wash, rinse and repeat. This went on for our entire three-hour shift, reducing in frequency as the morning light started appearing. It was absolutely insane. Old fella and I, who are very proficient with firearms, just couldn't hit the buggers, usually we rarely miss a shot. The dingoes just kept coming out of nowhere. It was if they were taking turns. Some were approaching us from behind or the side, not sure if they wanted to attack or distract us, but it always happened when the creepers came out toward the stock. I reckon we must have shot a hundred of the bastards during our shift, but we used a ton of ammo to do it because we just couldn't hit them. It was quite possibly one of the scariest situations I've been around, I don't know why, but it just wasn't right. It was as if the dingoes were so desperate that the possibility of death didn't matter, and they knew they wouldn't get hit. I've rarely felt bad about killing feral or dangerous animals, but you can bet I felt bad shooting that many in one night. But they just kept coming. Over and over and over. We probably only had a couple hundred rounds left when the other boys got up to start a move on. I wasn't on shift the second night, but apparently the same thing happened again. When I got up at 4.30 to begin prep, the two fellas who were on third shift looked spooked as F, the whole thousand yard stare going on and a pile of dead dingoes near their post. We got a move on again. It was hell. Third night none of us slept and just stayed awake listening to the cracks of the .22s every few minutes. 4. The. Whole. Night. We got to the other station that afternoon, some of us having not slept since they got up for third shift the second night, so maybe 36 hours. We all had a bit of a nap, and agreed to sit up each with a rifle all that night because the dingoes were likely tracking us and if we're all shooting we could hopefully wipe them out. So we stayed up, loaded and ready to go and, nothing. Not a peep. Not a glint of an eye. Nothing. It was as if a thousand dingoes magically appeared, tracked and attacked for three days and nights, then when we got to the paddock in the next station, disappeared the same way they appeared. One of the black fellas with us, thousand yard stare man, was spooked as f and around daybreak he kept going on about how the land didn't want us there, quoting some dreaming and other crazy shit I've never heard a black fella talk about. Kept on saying that we can't go home the way we came, we should head east to Junda then hit the highway to get home. Was saying that it didn't want us crossing the land again, and how the attacks on the way there were a warning and backtracking through again was certain death. When we said he was being silly, he said he'd rather ride to the highway on his own, on a quad bike through terrain with no GPS or guide, than go back the way we came. He was terrified and damn near in tears. The fear in his eyes was something I've never seen. We opted to take the 300 kilometers highway roads home instead of the 60 kilometers backtrack. 